Um, if you want to open your Bible to the book of Haggai, okay, the book of Haggai, not one maybe that you uh, hear an awful lot or, or think about a lot, and you may not even know where it's at. If you go find the beginning of the New Testament, find the book of Matthew, hang a left, and it's about three books to your left, okay? It's the la- third to the last book in the New Testament, book of Haggai. So while you're finding that, let me kind of just let you in on the title of my message this morning. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza. Anybody you ever heard that song? You guys remember that song when you were kids? How many of you younger people have never heard there's a hole in the bucket? All right, good. Good, there's hope for our culture. These, these important things are being passed on from generation to generation. So uh, there's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza. Uh, Kelsey and, and uh, Sweetie, a lot of times when I'm studying, I'm in my study at home, especially on Saturday evenings, uh, working on, you know, preparing for the message. A lot of times they'll come by and say, uh, what are you preaching on? Um, of course, I usually say the Bible, you know, something smart like you know. But anyway, uh, what are you preaching on? <laughs> I said, there's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza. <laughs> and they were like, how can you make that into a sermon? I was like, well, you just have to listen. So, okay, so here's, here's just to refresh how the song goes. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza. This is a man by the name of Henry that's speaking this. He's wanting to haul some water, but he's got a hole in his bucket. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, a hole. This is long, so I'm going to go fast. So fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry. So fix it, dear Henry. Just fix it. So far, it sounds like a typical marriage, right? <laughs> Woman gives man honeydew list. Man tries to get out of honeydew list. Woman adds to the honeydew list, right? And offers her opinion on how, how it could be done. Is that, has anybody else been there? All right, so fix it, dear Henry. Fix it. With what should I fix it, dear Liza, dear Liza? With what should I fix it, dear Liza? With what? With straw, dear Henry, dear Henry. With straw, dear Henry, with straw. Seems like an odd thing to fix a bucket with. Um, this was obviously written a long, long time ago. I would use J.B. Weld or something like that. But she, she in, uh, um, advises to use straw to fix the bucket. The straw is too long, dear Liza, too, dear Liza. The straw, straw is too long, dear Liza, too long. So cut it, dear Henry, dear Henry, just cut it, dear Henry, just cut it. With what should I cut it, dear Liza, dear Liza, with what should I cut it? Dear Liza, with what? With an axe, dear Henry, dear Henry, with an axe, dear Henry, an axe. Seems like an overkill for, for, for cutting hay or straw. That seems like a little much. A pocket knife would be sufficient. But uh, the, the lady of the house suggests an axe, so the man of the house gets an axe, right? That's the way it should work. But the axe is too dull, dear Liza, dear Liza. The axe is too dull, dear Liza, too dull. So sharpen it, dear Henry, dear Henry. So sharpen it, dear Henry, just sharpen it. With what should I sharpen it, dear Liza, dear Liza? With what should I sharpen it, dear Liza, with what? Use a stone, dear Henry, dear Henry. Use a stone, dear Henry, the stone. But the stone is too dry, dear Liza, dear Liza. The stone is too dry, dear Liza, too dry. So wet it, dear Henry, dear Henry. So wet it, dear Henry, just wet it. With what should I wet it, dear Liza, dear Liza? With what should I wet it, dear Liza? With what? With water, dear Henry, dear Henry. With water, dear Henry, with water. With what shall I carry it, dear Liza, dear Liza? With what shall I carry it, dear Liza? With what? Use the bucket, dear Henry, dear Henry. Use the bucket, dear Henry, the bucket. There's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. I mean, so, so you see, you see where, it, where it goes from there. There's, there's no end. There's no, there's no solution to the problem. It's an ongoing circle. And uh, so since comes the problem with the situation. So, uh, I want to talk about this hole in the bucket. So if, you, if you're there by now, hopefully in Haggai, uh, chapter number one, let's read a little bit and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, thus says the Lord, I'm starting in verse number two. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. 
Is it a time for you to, yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house, the temple, the house of God, lies in ruin? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes or a bucket with holes, you might say. Pray with me this, this morning. Heavenly Father, I yield to you today as, as a, just a man, flesh and blood, as a vessel um, that you can use this morning to bring about a spiritual truth that will, that will refresh us, that will revive us, uh, that will bring us to repentance. God, that will change us in our hearts, in our core, in our mind to make us more like you. God, as you look into the hearts of every individual, every saved person this morning, and the, the things, the holes that sometimes creep up in our life that drains us of our victory and the things that, uh, that pertain to you. I just pray this morning that you would use this word this morning, your spirit, to plug up the hole. God, to fill us with your Holy Spirit today, Lord, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And we pray it with, in Jesus' name. Everybody give me a big amen. amen. So in this particular scripture here, Haggai is a prophet. And there had been a, a point in, in Israel's history previous history, not too awful far before that, that the Babylonians had come in and taken over Israel and destroyed the temple. Okay, If you remember back, Solomon had built a temple, and that's where worship took place. That's where, that's where the Israelites came to meet with God. They brought their sacrifices, and, and that's, that was the meeting place with God, where God's presence literally abode, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And Babylonians come in, took over Israel because they had backslidden and turned their backs on God, and they just destroyed the temple. And so now flash forward several years and God is raising up a people to come back and build the temple. Okay. And they get started on it. The, the people of God, the Israelites, they know that there's a work for God to be done and they are, they started on it and they get going, but it just, it wasn't easy. Uh, and they, they ran into some difficulties and they kind of maybe got a little bored with it. And one thing led to another. And before they knew it, they just kind of had let that work of God slip aside and they begin to get focused more on their own lives, their own careers, their own businesses, their own families, their own homes. And that became the focus of their life rather than repairing and, uh, the, and, and getting God back in their life, in the center of their life where he needed to be and wanted to be. And so God is saying to them, he's calling them to the mat ultimately. He's saying, look, you guys are focusing so much on your own lives and my house lays in waste. So basically what the people had said is they come to the conclusion, well, it's just not time yet. It's just, you know, I mean, I know that we need to get the work on the house of God, but it's just not the right time. And God said, yes, it's, it, the, the, it is the right time. You know, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And, and we, I say we because I'm, I'm preaching to myself as, as well, have a tendency sometimes to put God's work on the back burner and we have to, well, it's, maybe it's just not the right time. And God says, yeah, the time is now. Yes, there's gonna be struggles and things that we press through, but ultimately God's saying, and then we come to this last part of the scripture where he says, You've sown or you've planted a lot and you've har harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never filled. You clothe, but you never warm. You earn wages to put them into bags with holes in it. And you can, you can obviously see the problem there. The problem that Henry had in carrying water was that there was a hole in the bucket. And God said, God's basically saying to the people here, he's saying, now just think back for, you know, over the past couple of years. He's, he's saying, think about your life. 
it seems like you never can get ahead. It seems like um, nothing quite satisfies. No matter how hard you, you try to find this place of contentment in your life, uh, you never seem to find it. Maybe your joy and just, you're just finding that nothing in this world satisfies and nothing's going right. He said, what I want you to understand is that I've allowed these things to happen. If you go on and read down through there, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I would encourage you to read Haggai's two chapters. It's really quite remarkable. But he goes on to say, you know, basically what God says is I, I called for a drought you know, that, that that's why you didn't, when you planted a lot of crops, you only got a little bit back. See, we can, we can go out and give everything we've got to hobbies, family, career, give everything and get very little back. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm, I'm just talking about satisfaction. You ever been there where he's like, you, you, you do everything you can to, to stay happy. And it seems like no matter what you do, you're just not happy at your core. And God said, I won't allow you to be happy until... I'm at the center of your life because God is the, the spoke, the hub of happiness. Amen? So um, he's saying to them, look, you've, you, you, just, you, you started off good. You were on fire for God. You're doing the work, but there was a hole in your bucket that just little by little, your fire began to kind of drain out. Your desire, your passion for God began to kind of drain out, and you just got kind of dry and cold in your soul. See, so it's a picture of you and I that when we get saved... God empties us out of all of our sin, all of our condemnation. All of that is gone, and he fills us with his spirit. Amen? God's spirit, the Bible says, comes and dwells within us. He fills us with his spirit. And along with the spirit of God comes joy and contentment and peace and victory. But as we go through life, sometimes we get a hole in our bucket. God saved us and he's filled us with our spirit, but sometimes a hole of discouragement or a hole of, of bitterness or lust or doubt, the, just the distractions of life, these holes, these things that come and drain us of our joy and our peace and our contentment and leaves us feeling very empty and dry. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you feel that way right now. I love the Lord. I know I'm saved, but I just feel empty and dry. I just, where, where has my joy gone? type thing, right? Now, what I want you to understand throughout this message is that I am not saying that your salvation is leaking out, okay? I'm not saying that your salvation is leaking out, but maybe your passion for being saved is. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that you're getting less saved and, and you're in danger of, of losing your salvation. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying you're saved, but you just don't have the joy of somebody who is saved. And God wants us to be a joyful people, Jesus said, I came that you might have my joy and that your joy may be full, right? But I know, I know in my walk with God, there's been, a separate, there's been many occasions where it just seems like my, my joy is drained. My contentment has drained. And I can generally trace it back to a hole. Maybe I've let discouragement take hold in me. Maybe I've let somebody's words have too much power in my life. You name it. Uh, temptations and doubts and all of these things that come... And I find myself just a little bit dry. Last, last week, Steve did a great job. By the way, give him a hand. Great message, wasn't it, last week? He was talking a little bit about those churches in, in, in Revelation that, that Jesus had spoken to and given them a word to. And the very first church that he wrote to, the church of Ephesus, where he said to them, basically, hey, you're doing a good. These are saved people. And he's not saying, hey, you're in danger of losing your salvation or anything like that. He's saying, hey, you're saved. You're doing a good job. You're, you're facing persecution, but you're hanging in there. You're, 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 really, you're really toughing it out. But he said, I have something against you because you've left your first love. 
These people were, were going to church, they were facing persecution, they were going through all this, but little by little, this discouragement, this pain, this, this, these trials of persecution that they were facing was allowing their love and their passion and their desire and their drive for God leak out to the point where they were just kind of going through the motions to a certain extent, like he was saying last week. The church of Sardis, the other one he spoke of, where he said, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. In other words, on, on the surface, the bucket looks great. You know, I mean, the church looks great. It's involved in the community. It's got a full house during service and, 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 and vibrant worship and all of these things. On the, on the outside, it looks as though it's alive and it's, and it's full, but it's really on the inside. When you get in there, there's a, there's a hole in the bucket and it's empty. That particular church, I think ultimately what he's saying is you've gotten maybe a little bit too concerned with how you look to the community. Maybe you're a little more concerned with the bucket than you are with what's in the bucket. That can happen in a church. That can happen here. Here we got this beautiful building. We can get way more concerned about this beautiful bucket than we are about the presence of God that is here in the bucket. Amen? And this church, that church had, had it just, they're, they're, Spirit, it just all had kind of leaked out. And, he, and so he's saying to them, basically, you need, to, you need to fix the bucket, dear Henry, right? We need to fix this thing. And, and, and you know, God brings it from a very loving perspective. He says to them, you need to fix it because, number one, if you don't, I'm going to remove your candlestick. In other words, your effectiveness as a church would just kind of be taken away. He's not saying they're going to lose their salvation or he's going to cast them into hell. He's just saying that your, your effectiveness as a church might be taken away. To me, this is kind, it's kind of a... This was an eye-opener for me as a pastor, as an individual. I, that, what, what, a, what a horrible tragedy it would be for our church. Let's look at it in our church's perspective. That God has raised us up in our community to do a work for him in this community in our generation and our age. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great thing. And to think that we can get focused on us and our work and, and that our victory and all can be taken away just because we've got our focus wrong. Amen. So let's, as individuals and in a church, let's always be on the lookout for the holes, the situations that could leave us. Now, here's just a, here's just a personal test for you, okay? Um, because nobody can, I mean, your, your wife or your husband may say, yeah, she's got a hole in her bucket. She's, she's, running on a half, she's running on a half a bucket right now, or he's running on a half a bucket. But for the most part, this is between you and God, okay? So I'm not here to point fingers. This is just for me. These are some of the indications I can tell when maybe I've got a hole in my bucket and I need to, uh, I need to start thinking about fixing it. Uh, there's a hole in your bucket if your prayer life has faded away. If that intimate time with God has become non-existent, or at least on the back burner, if, if your prayer life has just faded into that of a now I lay me down to sleep type thing where it's just kind of emotions, and, and if you do it at all. If your prayer life has faded... There's a hole in your bucket. We need to fix that because prayer is our lifeline to God. Amen? I'm, I'm a, okay, again, I, I, so that you know I'm not pointing finger. I'm a preacher. And you would assume, I, I mean, I know that you guys think that when I wake up in the morning, I begin to pray, and I pray all day long until I go to bed at night. I'm, I'm praying all day because I'm a preacher. I know you probably think that. Uh, no, no, there's, there's times where me as a pastor, I can get so caught up in the work of God that I forget to go to God. Amen? And, I be, and when my prayer life suffers, I, I begin to feel that joy begin to kind of drain out of me. There's a hole in your bucket if your love for the word has turned to boredom. It's just kind of boring now. Started off the beginning of the year, you had, uh, you, you, you downloaded the Read Scripture app, 
You know, I challenged everybody, hey, let's read through the Bible in a year together. You, you, you download the Read Scripture app, and through the month of January, you read it. It's like, hey, this is exciting. I'm going to read the Bible. Now we're in March. Okay, we're three months in. How far behind are you, right? Um, do you still have that drive? Because at the beginning of the year, you admitted to yourself, not to me or anybody else, you admitted to yourself, I need to know more about the Word of God. So where are you at now in March? Okay, again, not, not throwing stones, but... If it's kind of become boring to you or it's just kind of fell in the back burner, it's no longer important, I'm, I'm saying probably want to poke a hole, a pro, uh, poke some straw in the bucket and, and get back to that, okay? And, and let me say this, um, if you think, you're so, oh, I'm so far behind, I'll never get caught up. That's okay. That's okay. You, you can, the part that you've missed, maybe you can catch up next year, okay? Go to today. Go to March, what is today? March 15th. Go to March 15th. Start right there. You won't miss anything. So my point is this. Don't let the word of God become boring to you. When you listen today, I know maybe I'm, I can be kind of boring, but let the word of God spark something in you, okay? The, there may be a hole in your bucket if, if your church attendance is, is more out of obligation than a desire to worship. It's Sunday morning, so that's what you do. You go to church as opposed to, I, I want to go be in the presence of God today. I want to go worship God, and I want to thank him for all the blessings in my life. I want to go, and I want to hear a word of God speak to me. You see the difference? There's a hole in your bucket if, if your work for the Lord is on the back burner. A hole in your bucket if you find it hard to love people. It's one thing God calls us to do. Above all things, Jesus said, I want you to love me, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love others as you love yourself. Sometimes we can find it easy to love God and not so easy to, to love people. And sometimes people have a tendency to poke a hole in our bucket. Amen? We allow people too much power in our life and they poke a hole in our bucket and our joy drains out and then we don't love anybody, right? We, we, want, we want God to restore that love for him and our, that love for one another. There's a hole in your bucket if the most important person to you is you, amen? Be honest with yourself. You'll begin to notice it. I can tell when I'm getting a little too selfish. I can tell it. I don't like to admit it because you know, I'm selfish, right? But when the most important person to you is you, there's some, maybe something draining out that doesn't need to be there. Because, see, the, the nature of Christ, the nature of God's spirit is that we look to the benefit of others over our own. That's what Jesus did. He looked to our need above his own, and he died on the cross for us. So as the spirit of God fills us, we do have a tendency to think more about the needs of other people than we do our own. Something to be looking at. Something to consider. Um. There's a hole in your bucket, and this has been, this has been mentioned a time or two uh, this morning, uh, just here and there, but it, it, it may be a hole in your bucket if you no longer give thought to the return of Jesus Christ. Think about that. Every Christian, that's what we look for. As a Christian, that's our hope. That's our joy. Everything we are and all that we look forward to is wrapped up in the second coming of Jesus Christ. That one day, this life won't continue as it continues now. That Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Hallelujah. Hey man, the, the, the one, the, the, the child of God that is filled with the Spirit is constantly looking toward the coming of Jesus Christ. And when we, when we stop thinking about that, and we stop drawing joy and comfort in that, then something's leaking out. Amen? There's a, there's a gentleman we read about in the scripture. You can read about him. Uh, uh, Paul writes about him in 2 Timothy. 
This is the only place in Scripture the guy's mentioned. We don't know hardly anything about him, but his name is Demas. And this is what Paul, Paul's writing a letter to Timothy, and Paul's life is almost over, okay? I mean, he's, been, he's in prison. He's, he's about to be executed for preaching the gospel. And so he's writing this, this final letter to Timothy. But he speaks of a man by the name of Demas, and this is all he says is, uh, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. He goes on to talk about where Demas went, but that's ultimately what it says about Demas. Demas, who is in love with this present world, deserted me. Now, we don't know a lot about Demas, but if you look at that situation, we do know a lot about Demas. He was a partner with Paul in, in the, the gospel, the preaching of the gospel. This is a man that had been saved, a man who at one time had been involved with preaching the gospel and no doubt had probably witnessed healings and, and demons cast out and all of these things because, because Paul, Paul didn't just, <clears throat> I said puberty there again, it's all of a sudden, I don't know what happened to my voice, but uh, Paul was a, was a man of God and every, everywhere he went, he saw great uh, uh, victories and Demas was a part of that. Demas was, had, had grabbed hold of the part of the ministry of Paul, and now Demas has forsaken me. There's something happened in Demas' heart. There was a hole in his spiritual bucket that somehow that fire and that passion for the gospel had drained out to the point where he just bailed on the, on the whole thing. So it's just a sad nature, but I think there's a lot of Demases in the world, in the, in the church today. Not, not just this church, but I mean in the church world. I can, I can say there's been times <clears throat> where I've poured stuff all down my belly. <clears throat> there's been times where I was, I was holding, holding my bucket, I guess, holding my bottle. Um, there's been times where I've been a little Demas-like. You know what I mean? It just happens. We're not, if, you're, if you're going through this, I guess what I want you to understand is if you're kind of going through this right now and you feel like you're in a dry, dead time, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with you. You think, you think oh, there's something wrong with me? Or the devil creeps in and says, well, you're not really saved. That's not, that's not the case. Some of the most godly people have gone through dry times where the, you know, their joy had just kind of leaked out. And we want to, we wanna, I hope this morning that this, that this message will plug the hole. Because leaks don't fix, them, fix themselves. Say that with me. Leaks don't fix themselves. I was, I was downstairs in my basement. Uh, it's about a week ago, I guess, or a few days ago. And I got um, exercise equipment and stuff down there. And so I'm running on the treadmill. I just happened to look up in the corner where the ceiling and the wall meets in my basement. And I see one of the most dreaded things as a homeowner you can ever see. I see this water spot, this moldy spot. And the sheetrock was kind of bubbled. So I knew by, by that that I had a leak. I got water lines that run right up there above it. So as soon as I seen it, I was like, oh, man. Got a leaky pipe up in my, so I mean the thing is, if you've ever fixed a leak, you know what that requires. You have to cut out the sheetrock, okay. You have to fix the pipe, and then you have to put the sheetrock back, which requires mud and tape and and spackle and paint. I mean it's just big, big undergoing. It's a lot of extra effort to have to fix that leak, and nothing in me wanted to do it. <laughs> nothing. And, you know, sometimes we can get in a situation, even with our own life, where we realize that we're in that dry time and we kind of, we do kind of want to get out of our fog that we're in or we want to get out of our dry time, but at the same time, we don't. We don't want to go through the effort. It just seems like too much and I, just, I don't have the energy. I don't have the desire. I don't have the want to. I just, here I am. I'm just kind of drifting. 
And I looked at it and I thought, I do not want to do that. I, I just, it just sent, I mean, the, ah, I, just, I just didn't want to do it. I mean, I got so many things to do, but in the back of my mind, there's this, as much as I'm trying to talk myself out of just, or talk myself into just, you know, walking on and forgetting about it, in the back of my mind, what I know is this, leaks don't fix themselves. And that leak, if I allow it to continue, is going to just continue to, it's going to do way more damage. That water's going to, it's just a little bitty drip. I mean, drip, you could tell it was like maybe one, it, it probably doesn't drip, but maybe three times a day. But one drop at a time over several years, sheetrock is destroyed, the stud walls are destroyed, and it ends up making, taking more effort and costing me more to fix it later on down the road. So I, I'm just being the responsible person. I think I'm going to fix it now, right? Get my saw out, cut it all out, cut the hole and found the leak and fix the leak. But my point in using that as an illustration is that when we recognize these situations in our life, hopefully today through this message, it'll bring something to light to you. Maybe you've been feeling a little drained. You think, man, I just don't have the fire I used to have for God. And you just don't understand why. And, and you just don't know how to. My, my encouragement to you is to really go to God this morning and ask him to show you the whole. What's causing it? Lord, what can I do? Lord, re re restore this passion, this love that, that I once had. I need it so desperately. You can tell. This morning as you're listening, you can tell if you've got a hole in your bucket. I mean, fix it. Dear Henry, dear Jeff, dear Dale. I'm not saying they have a hole in their bucket, but you get the, you get the point. Um, okay, so you think, well, that's, that's great, Dennis. That's a nice little message, and you're telling me to, to fix this hole in my bucket. But how do I do that? What patches the hole? And the answer to that question is a refilling of God's spirit. What was it that filled you up to begin with? It's God's spirit, right? When you got saved and God's spirit come to dwell within you and you feel all charged up, that's what it takes to fill you up again. We need a, a refilling of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not just talking about the gifts of the spirit, the, uh, uh, the, the healing and the tongues and the miracles and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about God's presence abiding within us. And understand this. I'm, I'm, this is a figure of speech, so I'm not implying this morning that the Holy Spirit uh, leaks out of us and, and goes away somewhere and we got to get him back. I'm not, I'm not I'm using this as a figure of speech because the bottom line is the Holy Spirit is always there. It's just sometimes we don't sense him. Amen? Amen. Jesus made us a promise. I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. Honestly, quite frankly, you're just as filled with the Spirit of God now as you've ever been. So again, I'm using this as a figure of speech, and I hope you understand where I'm coming from. It's the fact that you, we sometimes don't sense the Spirit because our minds are focused maybe somewhere else. And it's a matter of us just being reminded how privileged we are that God's Spirit would abide within us. The Word of God says that God has placed his treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure of his Spirit, the treasure of his grace. He's put in us weak human beings. Holy, not holy in a H-O-L-Y way, but a holy is, oh, I guess it would still be H-O-L-Y, wouldn't it? Not holy as in a God holy, but holy as in a holy way. We're, we're a holy, unflawed and broken people. But it, it is that refilling, that renewing of the Holy Spirit that charges us again. 
that restores our joy and brings us back to that place. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 says this, in whom you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, look at this, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we inquire possession of it, the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is the bentonite of the soul. How many of you know what bentonite is? Raise your hand if you know what bentonite is. All right, good. I'll explain because most of you don't. Bentonite is basically just like this, uh, what would you call it, a powdery clay? You can, buy a, you can buy a bag of bentonite, and let's say you have a pond. It's not holding any water. It's leaking out somewhere. You can put bentonite in the bed of that pond, and it'll seal it, and then, then it'll hold water. I've, I've actually done this. Uh, years ago, I had a little pond. I've got a big one now, but... Uh, before I had this little pond and it would never hold any water. Somebody told me about bentonite. And so one, one summer when it had all drained out and it was dry, I went through there and I spread a whole bunch of bentonite in the, in the floor of that pond. And from that moment forward, it held water down to the point where I stopped with the bentonite. I mean, literally it would get full and then it would go down, but it's right where I stopped with the bentonite. That's where the pond would stay full. It seals the pond and makes it hold water. That's the way the Holy Spirit operates in our life, in our walk with God. He seals us. He enables us. He stops up those leaks of discouragement. He can come when we're discouraged. The Holy Spirit can come and speak to us and say, hey, hey, don't get discouraged. You're a child of God. Right? When we get down and we get fearful of the things in the world around us and we begin to lose our joy and, and fear begins to creep in, the Holy Spirit comes along and says, hey, no, 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 God didn't give you the spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. The Holy Spirit is constantly stopping up those leaks so that we stay filled with his spirit, with his presence, and which is the source of our joy. Man, that is the source of our joy. In God's, the scripture says, in God's presence is the fullness of joy. In God's presence is the fullness of joy. And God's presence through his spirit is abiding in you. That's why we have joy in us, amen? We need that refilling, that constantly going back to the faucet, so to speak. I'm not going to read all of this, but in, in uh, the book of Acts, the beginning of the church, we find in, in chapter 2 where uh, the, the Christians had, after Jesus had died and resurrected, the, the apostles had all gone into an upper room and they were praying and they were seeking God, waiting uh, for the promise of the Father. And the Bible says that as they were praying, uh, the Holy Spirit came and filled them all. The Bible says there was a sound like a, a rushing mighty wind and the Holy Spirit came and did what filled them all and they're excited they, they, they're, they know they're in the will of God they're doing the work of God they're seeing people get saved they're seeing people get healed I mean they're filled with the Spirit of God and you couldn't you couldn't talk one of them out of a smile I mean, you, you couldn't get them down, but then they find themselves after they've seen this great work of God and this man who's been uh, lame his entire life, he's healed gloriously and all these people are getting saved, the, the work of God taking place, and guess what happens? They're thrown into prison. The, 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 the Pharisees come along and they say, we told you not to talk about this Jesus. They throw him in prison and they threaten him. You do this again, we're gonna beat you and all these threats. And I love this. You go on into the, the fourth chapter then, and it says this. After they've been thrown in jail, after they've been threatened, how many of you can say, how many of you can just honestly say, that, that, would, that has a way of draining your joy? Gangs are going great, and then all of a sudden, now I'm in prison. That, if you're not, that could drain your joy. But here's what they did in verse, uh, somewhere, 
29. They, and now, Lord, they, when they, went to, they went back to God. Where do they get the Holy Spirit to begin with? In the upper room, and seeking the presence of God. They go back and they say, now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, they had already been filled, right? On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God came, but there was just this, again, it wasn't that the Holy Spirit was gone and they had to go get it back. It was just that they had to have a reminder that God's Spirit was with them. They had to be reminded of, of their salvation, why, why Jesus saved them and what they were called to do. It's just, the presence of God is something that can be felt. Amen? It's not all about feeling, and, and we can get wrapped up in emotionalism, but it's something where the Bible says that our spirit bears witness with God's spirit that we are the children of God. So you and I are made up of flesh and spirit. And on the inside of us, our spirit is who we really are. And there's that testimony, there's that assurance where we just know God's spirit is in there and we know that we're God's child. Amen? David, David went through a period, and we read about David, uh, where you know, he, he, he knew what the presence of God was. God used him mightily, killed Goliath, and all of these things. I mean, David's, David's bucket was just full. God was working mightily in his life, but he fell. He committed uh, uh, sin. He, turned, he, he fell away from God there for a while, and he got a hole in his bucket. And all that was drained out, so to speak. And, and, and David, when he repents, he comes back to God. And if you read in, in Psalm chapter 51, it's basically David's prayer of repentance. He's, he's, he's confessed his sin, and now he's going to God with his sin. And he's, he's saying, Lord, I acknowledge my sin. I admit to it. And he just puts it all out before God. But this is what he says specifically. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's not that the Spirit was gone, but his joy was. Lord, I, I remember what it was to be in the center of your will and how content and how peaceful that was in my life. And I want that back, God. Stop up. The, the leaky bucket and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And later on, David writes, my cup runneth over. Amen? What happens if you stop up a bucket and you keep pouring water into it? It starts flowing over, right? In Haggai, I didn't read it, but in, if you go on over into the second chapter, I think around the seventh verse or whatever, God said to them, you know, once you have once you have repaired my house, once you've stopped up the leaky bucket, so to speak, he said, I will fill this house with glory. <laughs> That's something. Once you deal with the hole in the bucket, I will fill this house with my glory. And he was talking about the natural temple. And the day that Jesus Christ walked into that temple, God's glory had truly filled it. Amen? And now the Bible says that you and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost. God said, I, I want to fill this temple. I want to fill you in such a way. I want to fill you with joy. I want you to live your life and have it more abundantly. Not be in a state of fear and chaos and worry and failure and condemnation all the time. God said, I want you to live in victory. So this message this morning, if you feel like all your joy and peace and victory and all has been drained out and you're just empty and dry, I hope that this helps. And... Uh, 
I, I rewrote the song, by the way. The, there's a hole in your bucket song. I rewrote it. Okay, so I want to share it with you, and I hope that this helps you. There's a hole in my bucket, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, a hole in my bucket, dear Jesus, a hole. Well, fix it, dear Dennis, dear Dennis, fix it, dear Dennis, just fix it. With what shall I fix it, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, with what shall I fix it, dear Jesus, with what? With joy, dear Dennis, dear Dennis, with joy, dear Dennis, with joy. But I have no joy, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, no joy, dear Jesus, no joy. Then get some, dear Jesus, or dear Dennis, dear Dennis, then get some, dear Dennis, then get some. Where can I get some, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, from where? Get it from me, dear, Jesus, dear Dennis. Dear Dennis, this is harder than you think it is to do. Uh, get it from, from me, dear Dennis, dear Dennis, from me. But how will you give it, dear Jesus, dear Jesus? How will you give it, dear Jesus, how? You must ask me, dear, Je dear Dennis, dear Dennis, dear Dennis. You must ask me, dear Dennis, you must ask. How much will that cost me, dear Jesus, dear Jesus? How much will it cost me, dear Jesus, how much? It's free, dear Dennis, dear Dennis, dear Dennis, it's free. How will you pay, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, how? I paid at the cross, dear Dennis, dear Dennis, I paid at the cross. I receive your joy, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I receive. Then I will fill you with my spirit, dear Dennis, dear Dennis, my spirit. The hole is plugged, dear Jesus, and my bucket runneth over. Man, see with the old poem, it just keeps right on going, right? There's no solution, there's no ending. But God says in this particular situation, I can heal your hole and fill you up again. Amen. I'd like everybody just to stand to your feet this morning.